Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Ah, sweet, glorious week in review time. You know what it is. You know what it is. It's Friday. It's week in review on Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan Baspris. Thanks, as always, for joining us, everybody. We finished out another week. Oh, yes. I don't know how we do it. I don't know how we keep making it this far, but we do. Every year, I feel like there's going to be this week where it's like, it's too much, guys. I got to just, got to call it. Week 16, friends. We are almost four months into the NBA season. Can you even believe it? I cannot. I cannot. I don't know. I don't know. Blows my mind every once in a while. But whatever. You guys don't need the, like, Dan Vespers reflects on another season gone by type of thing. We're not even at the trade deadline yet. Season's far from over. As you all know, here on these Friday shows, we review the week. Ads, drops, tough holds was a category we added this year that I kind of like. Streamers, that's the last thing we do because there's so many of them. And instead of the buy-sell department, we've got stash guys this go-around. Everybody loves a good stash. And there are going to be some retreads in there. But things are crystallizing a bit as the trade deadline comes into view. So, we start with the drops and move into the tough holds. Because honestly, I think those things are... They're going to be the ones... I want to give you guys like the, the visceral gag reflex and then we move into the fun stuff the drops the drops Nerlens Noel this is a hard one for me you guys know how difficult this one is for me to put on that list but he's number 144 on the year in about 22 and a half minutes per ball game the problem there's a couple of them really problem number one is that his usage has never been lower And we're talking about a guy where we don't really rely on that. It's steals and blocks for him. That's the important stuff. Rebounds, field goal percent. Those are in the mix, but rebounds you're kind of hoping for league average because he doesn't play enough minutes to get more than that. And field goal percent is going to be a positive. But again, the problem right now is that even in 22 and a half minutes per ball game on the year, he's taking two and a half shots per game. It's damn near impossible to be on the floor that long and do that little offensively. Throughout his career, he's always been a guy who doesn't take that many shots from the floor. And more recently, Dallas, Oklahoma City, even last year in New York, not taking that many shots was sort of the calling card. But even last year in 24 minutes a game, he took three and a half shots per night, which doesn't feel like a lot, but... When you're a 55 to 65% shooter from the floor, two and a half versus three and a half is actually a pretty big deal. So he's just not involved at all on offense. So everything has to come from the defensive side. Shot blocking is down for him. My guess would be because he's dealing with a sore knee the entire year. And as a result, he's not inside the top 100. Also, on top of everything else going on with Nerlens, his minutes per game are actually, on the season, inflated by the games he played where Mitchell Robinson sat. So right now we're dealing with the Nerlens that's behind Robinson, where the minutes are more like 18 to 20 range. And if he's only top 145 in 22, 23 minutes this year, because of the way New York uses their centers, 
meaning get the hell out of the way, let Julius Randle do everything on offense, then in actuality, he's probably more like a top 160, 170 guy as the reserve. So it's a sad one, sad day indeed, but so it goes. I put Devontae Graham on this list, and it's almost like a spite move. He's not actually a drop. He's just not a guy you can start when Brandon Ingram is in the lineup. Unfortunately, there just isn't enough fantasy usage available. When B.I.'s around and taking 18, 20 shots a game, Devontae Graham is getting 12, 13, 14, poor percentages, all that stuff. Like, he needs to make a bunch of threes, he needs a bunch of assists, he needs some steals to float the fact that his field goal percentage is going to be terrible and his usage is going to be down. Ingram is going to be the guy initiating the offense. What do you do with him in between Ingram injuries? I don't know. Head-to-head, you probably just play him and take the top 150 type of value he posts when Ingram is around. Roto, could you just sit him? Nah, I'd probably drop him, honestly. I don't think the upside is high enough even when when Ingram's out. And this was a really tough one also. I put Onyeko Kongwu on this list, mostly because of what we saw in Atlanta's win over Phoenix, which is that against disciplined, good teams, his ability to be a factor lately is limited. You know, he was picking on teams that were making kind of foolish mistakes. Lakers that were unable to defend the three-point line, unable to defend the pick and roll, unable to defend him on the lob, destroying them. So there are going to be these games where he slips in and gets his 21, 22 minutes of ball game, and in those ball games, those are big potential winners for him. He's probably like a top 90 sort of player in those. The problem is that, and we saw it yesterday, in the games where he doesn't get those bonus six or seven minutes in the fourth quarter, even if Capella doesn't get them, it's going to average out to like 18. 15, 16 some nights, 22 the others. It'll average out 18, 19 minutes. And that's puts him just on the outside of it. It's probably like a top 125 type of player, which again probably puts him more in the streamer level, like a chunk of player, if you call him like the streamer zone the outer crust, but overall, he was a guy that I was sitting on a little bit, and there was an, there was some stash appeal. Clint Capella contractually cannot be traded, so I don't know that Okong was about to move into a bunch of minutes unless John Collins gets moved, and even then, how many Capella Okongwu minutes are you going to get side by side? Probably four at most, so he's still pretty well capped out at about 24-ish minutes per ball game. So again, these guys are on the drop board, not necessarily because you have to immediately dump them, although I think with Noel you really can, but because the expectations are they're at streamer or drop level most of the time, unless something opens up in front of them. Guys in the tough holds department, although one of the names on the list, I, I had made up this list prior to some of the names on this list at least. I threw in there before the Thursday games happened, and this was one of them, Chris Boucher, because Toronto hadn't been playing their bench at all. So he became a tough hold, and then Toronto went into overtime. So again, try to forget what the starters' minutes looked like, because they're insane, and just understand the fact that Boucher actually got to play a little bit. In regulation, 25-ish minutes, and he's, he's a monster in 25 minutes. Great game. So he was a tough hold, he's not anymore. Mo Bamba's a tough hold. His, his thing is pointed down. The arrow's pointed down with Bamba. 
But here's what I can't decide. And I know I'm supposed to be the guy hosting the podcast, the fantasy analyst. I'm supposed to give you guys the answers on stuff like this. I actually don't know if Bamba's arrow is just pointed down or if this is a huge buy-low opportunity. They might be trying to keep him fresh going into the trade deadline. He might still be dealing with some after-effects from COVID and various injuries that they haven't made public. He might not get traded, and then they may give him more minutes down the stretch. Well, you know, we might as well just play him now. We've got him. We might as well play him. It's hard to say. I really don't know. It does seem like they're moving away from him a little bit, but the 17, 18 minutes that we saw in Moe's recent ball game. That feels like a bit of a low watermark. And I guess the question is, what could you get him for right now? Like, if you can go out and get Mo Bamba for a top 100 type of player, you probably do it because the upside is crazy, even if he doesn't get there. If it's going to cost you a top 70 guy, I don't think I'm doing it because there is a possibility that the arrow really is just sticking way down right now and maybe won't come back up if he sticks on the magic. Maybe a trade opens it back up. I, it's unclear. Al Horford is a tough hold. He's actually been better his last two or three ball games. Celtics are starting to figure things out, and a lot of what they figured out is just a truckload of Robert Williams III. He's been amazing. And Al Horford has been a bit marginalized by that. For better or worse, that's the way it's worked out for him. He's a tough hold, though, because he's getting close to the starters' minutes, starting big man in the NBA. We know what he can do in terms of across-the-board stuff. If anybody on that team has to miss time, specifically the Time Lord... Horford jumps right back into a huge valuation. So you cannot punt on that. And I'm, at, I'm seeing people asking if they should drop Horford. The answer is no. There's just too many ways for him to have value, even if he's been in a brutal slump lately. And Brandon Clark is the last name on the tough hold department. His minutes have been down the last couple of ball games. I think there's a lot of things that could pop loose at the deadline for him, whether it's going somewhere else, whether it's somebody moving out of his way, whether it's an injury. It doesn't matter. Like, if slow, what if slow-mo gets moved? That's great for him. What if Zaire Williams runs out of gas a little bit? It's a rookie wall. That's great for Clark. All these things could work in his favor. They love him. We're start, we've seen it lately. He's not getting yanked around quite the way that Melton does. Like, on a bad night, Clark is still going to get his 18 minutes. On a good night, it's more like 25. It's a pretty narrow band that he hangs out in. And he's a top 90 guy in 20 minutes. We've talked about this a million times. Tough hold, yes, but a hold, yes. Does his damage with field goal percent, defensive stats, some rebounding. It's pretty easy stuff for a dude to get. Brandon Clark, I don't, he, maybe he's not even a tough hold. He might just be a slight, barely difficult hold. Only the tiniest bit. Hey, before we jump on to the next one, wanted to remind you guys about our partnership with the great folks over at manscaped.com. Use promo code ETHOS20 to get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get at manscaped.com. The best in men's grooming. Two free gifts, actually, if you shop there right now. Two free gifts. Boxers, a toiletry bag with your purchase of the Performance or Perfect Package 4.0, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0 and other delightful accoutrements. The Weed Whacker, that's for ear and nose hair. The Crop Preserver, that's a deodorant, a toner, and a shaving mat. All comes in the Performance Package 4.0. That's $120. Minus 
20%, so you knock $24 off of that guy. And the perfect package 4.0 is just 100 bucks. That's the lawnmower 4.0. Uh, it has the deodorant, the toner, and the shaving mat. does not include the ear and nose hair trimmer, but you could get that for 80 with our coupon code. And again, right now, you get the bonus boxers and toiletry bag at manscaped.com with promo code ethos20. If you don't want to go whole hog, yeah, I know, I know. I probably should have rethought that. But if you don't want to do that, you can get smaller things. You can get the lawnmower 4.0 by itself, the lawnmower 3.0 by itself, which, by the way, I'm actually a massive fan of the lawnmower 3.0. The plow, that's a single blade razor. The shaver, that's a three blade razor with the, the lubrication strip. The Weed Whacker, we already told you about that. Shears, that's a luxury nail kit. Replacement blades for any of this stuff. Deodorant we've talked about. Boxers. T-shirt. Want to wear a Manscaped t-shirt? Hell yeah, you do. I got one. Wear it around the house. Chapstick, lip balm. They got it all. At manscaped.com, use promo code ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. It's good stuff, people. Please just go check it out. Tell them Dan sent you. They won't care. We move along to the ads, everybody's favorite part, or is it? Maybe streamers are your favorite. I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to really distinguish between some of the categories here, which is fine because I give an explanation on everybody. Patrick Beverly is back in the ads zone, largely because he is once again healthy. And for as long as that lasts, he needs to be started everywhere. He was excellent on Thursday night. 11.6 boards, 7 assists, 2 steals, 2 three-pointers. When he's good, he's good. Problem is that he'll have a bunch of games where he plays 8 minutes, pulls a groin, and then he's out for 2 and a half weeks. It happens over and over and over again. The Patrick Beverly way. Minnesota is a lot better when he's around. He changes the way that they play basketball. Wolves are 2 games over 500. They're the top play-in team in the Western Conference right now. Ahead of the Clippers, Lakers... Blazers. So Beverly, he's a tough one too because when he gets hurt, you kind of have to drop him. He's almost an impossible player to roster in a head-to-head league because his injuries very rarely place him on the injured list. Like he's always going to be, oh, he's questionable, he's day-to-day. Sure, once he misses three games in a row, you can put him on the IL, but that might cost you a week sitting on a guy getting zeros before you can finally injured list him and replace him on your fantasy roster. Roto, he's an easy one to hang on to the whole year. Just know you're going to get 60 out of 82 games from a guy you probably picked up off the waiver wire, and when he's right, he's going to be, like, you know, in the games where he's not playing hurt or the games where he doesn't get hurt eight minutes in, he can post top 65, top 75 type fantasy lines. Unfortunately, you do have to account for the four or five games where he plays seven minutes has three points and a foul and then turns an ankle or pulls a groin or whatever it turns out to be, and that pulls his season average down a little bit. Still, Patrick Beverly, he's an ad, and he's a go right now, provided by the time you listen to this, he hasn't already incurred his next injury. I think Duncan Robinson is a go right now, and it's taken me a long time to get to that point with him, but I think we're there. He's number 166 on the season, which I realize is not a particularly impressive number mostly because he's shooting under 40 percent from the field on the season this is you know the, the the claim to fame the calling card for Duncan Robinson is supposed to be not that dissimilar from like a Joe Harris 
who can get you a bunch of three-pointers without completely tanking your field goal percent. It's a little different. Robinson's probably going to hit more three-pointers. His field goal percent is going to be lower than a healthy Joe Harris. But it's not supposed to be this bad. Over the last month, his field goal percent is about 45. He's creeping up a little bit. Admittedly, the other things are a tad lacking for him. And over the last couple of weeks, he's in the 125 range, which to me puts us kind of on pace for where we want him to be. The issues right now for Duncan Robinson are that he's really doing nothing besides shooting three-pointers. And that, that may or may not change. But if you look at Thursday's game, even three rebounds and three assists, even one steal, getting a couple of free throws up, it was a blowout, but he still logged full starters minutes. With just a few little tiny things on Robinson, he can go from that 125 range to 90 real fast. In fact, if you look back two seasons back, that was when he was hovering in that 90 range. His stats are not that different from this year. Other than the fact that he shot 47% from the field and 45% from three-point land. So if suddenly now he starts to move back into that 47 and 45 range, which... You know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. His other stuff is actually up. Field goal attempts are up from two seasons back. So his scoring could very well get to that point. And then the other things don't have to change all that much. He's percentages away from being that top 90 guy. So I kind of like Duncan Robinson right now. He's a guy you can kind of set it and forget it a little bit, which is also very useful. Also... On the other side of that set it and forget it, it can be kind of annoying because if you look at his game by game, he might have a game where he hits six three-pointers and he might follow that up with a game where he hits zero. You just have to remember that the average there was three. Don't look at every game. It's the Danny Green syndrome. His teammate is another guy on my ads list. I think P.J. Tucker, now I know he's playing through a thing right now, so perhaps this isn't the right moment for it, but I think P.J. Tucker is an ad. Miami might make a move at the trade deadline that ruins possibly both of these calls. Uh, but for PJ, his usage is up these days. Over the last month, he's taking eight shots per ball game, and he's just outside the top 120 with pretty good rebounding and steals numbers. And not a whole lot holding him down over that stretch. Over the last two weeks, he's a little over eight shots per game. Neither P.J. nor Robinson is a guy you'd point to and say, oh, look at the upside on this guy. Because if things break right, Duncan Robinson is like top 85. For Tucker, if things break right, he's like top 95. But that's startable. That's long-term startable. By the way, I'm not doing these in any order because the next name on my list I actually like more than the previous two Heat, and that's Daniel Gafford, who we must have mentioned at least once on every episode of the podcast this week. And we'll mention him again today. And Gafford is an ad because Thomas Bryant is out. And he's moved back into the starting lineup. And the Wizards are better when he's their starting center, playing defense and actually taking care of the glass a little bit. He moves better than Bryant does. He needs to be rostered. And he might move into a better valuation post-deadline. This is a classic streamer with benefit situation who gets the ad because of an injury. But there's something on the horizon now, just six days from today, Friday, recording this podcast, just six days away, if he gets moved, if Montrez gets moved, if Bryant gets moved, then boom, Gafford ends up in this spot for the rest of the season. That is a streamer with benefits if I've ever seen one. 
I put Lou Dort on this list, but that was really the case from the moment that Shea went down. So that one, that's an easy one. We don't need to go into any detail on Lou Dort. I put Grayson Allen on this list, and even as I say it out loud, I'm probably going too far with this. We just saw him play really well at the beginning of the year. And the thing, of course, then was that he had, he was getting shots, which he stopped getting when Middleton came back, when Drew Holiday came back, when Giannis came back. But I do think he's lapped Dante DiVincenzo. I think that the starting job and the pretty big minutes are pretty much belong to Grayson Allen at this point. The question is, can he get 10 shots per game? If he gets 10 shots per game, he's a startable fantasy guy. He's about top 110 in that range. If he gets 30 minutes per game, he can get you about a steal. That's fantasy startable. So he's real close. And at least if you compare him to some of the other 3 and D guys that I brought up a minute ago, like... Uh, P.J. Tucker, I think I'd probably rather have P.J. Because of the rebounding is a little more reliable. Like, if Tucker doesn't take a shot, his fantasy line could be salvaged by three steals and six rebounds. If, if Grayson Allen doesn't take a shot, you're probably talking about three rebounds, maybe a steal, maybe an assist. Things get ugly faster. He's probably more of a streamer type, but whatever. He's he's. I didn't put him in the streamer department because I don't think he's getting this recent activity level for any stream-relevant reason. He's just now the starter. He's the other guy with a bunch of studs, and he's been pretty good. And he hasn't been shooting the ball particularly well, pretty average, but 30, 31, 32 minutes his last three ball games for the Bucks. He's at seven three-pointers over that stretch. And we'll find out more tomorrow. They play in Portland. They start a road trip, tough West Coast swing for the Bucks starting on Saturday. Can he keep it up? The six assists in the last game was very out of the ordinary, so don't expect that to keep going. If we saw a bit more consistency in the steals department, I think I'd have a little more confidence in this call. And then I threw Ayo Desumu back on here, mostly because he was someone that we were talking about a bunch on the pod, and, and people were like, oh, should I drop him because Levine's come back? And I, I kept saying no. And then Lonzo getting hurt and Caruso getting hurt. That helps. If those two guys were back around, then Desumu probably does end up getting fantasy dropped. But those guys are gone for six to eight weeks still. And, you know, we're seeing it over and over again. There is a pretty safe spot for Io, who played 42 minutes in an overtime loss in Toronto yesterday. I can't believe how many overtime games the Raptors keep picking up. That's completely insane. 11 points, 4 boards, 8 assists, a block, a 3-pointer. He's been great. This is why you hang on to guys. Same, like This is the same story on a Chris Boucher. This is why you hang on to guys through a couple of down games. When you know what they're capable of, when you know what the role appears to be, you can make a better call. And by the way, I'm not talking about Boucher from the beginning of the year. I'm talking about recent Boucher because we held on as long as you could at the beginning of the season, and he was just horrible, and he wasn't playing at all. No minutes were happening. And then the whole team got hurt. They had no choice, and he figured out how to be a team player in the moment. Good for him. But we're not talking about Boucher. We're talking about Ayo Dosumu being an excellent fantasy player as the distributor and a bit of a defensive specialist for Chicago at times. Meanwhile, Zach Levine is playing through back spasm, so his numbers are not going to be as, as brilliant as usual. That's going to slow him down. I don't know if you guys have had back spasms in your life at any point. They are... Horrible. 
it's very hard to do almost anything at all. So let's assume he maybe misses a game here and there. That's a bump for DeSuma. That's a bump for DeMar DeRozan, a bump for Nikola Vucevic. Even Javante Green had a pretty good game on Thursday, although I'm not jumping in on that one. 33 minutes in an overtime game. You can dial that back a little bit. He's had a couple of better games recently, but the inflated defensive stats are probably not something that keeps up for him on a game-to-game basis, at least not reliably. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up, people, with prop bets at Thrive Fantasy. No longer, no longer must you toil at the deepest corners of the darkest dumpsters in DFS gaming. No longer must you try to figure out if Saban Lee is going to play six minutes in a ball game and take four shots. No longer, no longer must you try to figure out if Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to log more than 19 minutes in a basketball game. No longer must you determine if Matt Thomas is worth playing on the Chicago Bulls. Because at Thrive Fantasy, you only need to focus on the names, the big names, the superstars, the folks you care about. 20 prop bets to choose from. You pick 10 overs and unders. If you get the most points from your selections, you win money in the Thrive Fantasy Tournament du jour. 100% deposit match bonus and multiple free game vouchers with just a $10 deposit using promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. Head on over there, throw 10 bucks in the account, and you get another 10 on the deposit match and two $20 contest entry vouchers, $60 of play for $10 of deposit at thrivefantasy.com with promo code ETHOS. Check them out now. They're a fantastic partner. You guys are going to have a lot of fun. I really, I promise you're going to enjoy yourself. It's fun. In my estimation, it's better than traditional DFS. I know that plenty of folks out there love regular DFS. I'm just not one of them. So something different, something special. This is right up my alley. Thrive Fantasy, they've got the app, Apple, uh, Apple Store, Android Store, wherever you got to go, or the computer, thrivefantasy.com. That's where my old people like me go to play it. Check it out now. Go to play it. Check it out now. And finally, the streamers, and they are plentiful again these days, thanks to the fact that everybody's hurt. Hello, run up to the trade deadline. Everybody's looking forward to the All-Star break, which, of course, is a week later. It's not during the trade deadline this year. I can't remember when it was and when it wasn't. There was a stretch there where they put them at the same time so that players could just, like, go from their home to the new team they were playing for. It's back... back to separate again this year anyway doesn't matter everybody's hurt that's all you need to know so some stream names to keep an eye on thaddeus young who our good friend jonas mentioned as a potential trade deadline stash candidate got himself a start and played 24 minutes in the spurs blowout loss to the heat on thursday had seven points eight boards three assists and two steals and that's kind of a low watermark for him in 24 and a half minutes per game i don't know if he starts again In the next one, you might see Drew Eubanks in that spot. Or is San Antonio showcasing him for the trade deadline? Either way, I think he's startable, provided you hear he's in the starting lineup. If we find out he's getting yanked and going back to a 12, 13-minute bench roll, you move a different direction. No question about it. But as it stands right now, he's an interesting streamer. 
Davion Mitchell, who I've pretty consistently called a low-end stream possibility, had a really nice game against the Warriors, elevated that low-end marker a little bit higher up the board. In general, though, he's a low field goal percent, three-pointers threat for the most part. Just kind of did a little bit more for one night only. Want to do that in like a one night only, the special Davian Mitchell. Yeah, he was pretty He was pretty good. He was pretty damn good last night. Uh, Malik Monk on the Lakers is a streamer as long as LeBron James is out. Lakers hoping that they can get Braun back. It sounds like they're gunning for the weekend, but we'll see. I mean, hope, hope is great and all. Uh, and I guess technically today is the start of the weekend. Lakers play again uh, tomorrow. Make sure I get my schedule right. And then they're off for two more days before a back-to-back. I think LeBron probably sits the game on Saturday against the Knicks. Maybe tries to make his comeback in Portland next week, which I know means he's missing two more games. But he could sit out two more games and basically get an extra week of rest on that knee. I don't know. Lakers' schedule is tough. They got the Knicks at home, the Bucks at home, the Blazers on the road, the Warriors on the road. There's no great time where it's like, oh, well, maybe you just take this scheduled loss here against the Bucks and then go try to win a couple. No, it's like, well, whenever he's ready to go, you just get him ready to go. So maybe he's ready tomorrow. I still kind of doubt it. The other streamer that was on the list when I wrote this list before the Thursday games but can't be anymore is Carmelo Anthony, who pulled a hammy in Thursday's game. And the Lakers lost... Probably the team's second best scorer besides behind Anthony Davis. You wouldn't have thought that losing Melo was going to be a really big deal for this team, but they are devoid of offensive options without Melo on the floor. I don't know that Melo going down actually opens anything up either. I don't think anybody else on this Lakers team has the ability to score. Who, who are they turning to now? There's no Kendrick Nunn still. He'd have been the guy. THT doesn't have range, really. Monk is going to have to do a ton while LeBron is out, so he becomes a doubly impressive streamer. And Melo, unfortunately, has to get shelved. Chumo Kiki is a streamer who didn't have as good of a ball game as last time out because the defensive stats went away. And, you know, there's something to the idea that it's going to level off and it's going to be kind of funky when they do, but he's pretty consistently playing 24, 25 minutes a game right now. And that's, given how good he's been on the defensive side, that's enough. But I'm still calling him a streamer because until some one single body moves out of his way and he can start and play 30 minutes, there's always going to be the looming specter of the defensive stats normalizing. He's a good steals guy. He was last year. We saw it in his, uh, his rookie campaign, but he wasn't this good. So I still think that stuff is coming down and you could create a bit of a buffer against that with him playing another four or five minutes. A couple extra points. Some fraction of a rebound. Some fraction of an assist. Fraction of a three-pointer. So if the steals do come down from his crazy recent run of like two steals a game and almost a block a night, then maybe the other stuff can elevate. You can get him back over 10 points per game. Those, it's not a big number or anything, but that's the way that this sticks. But that's why he's a streamer right now, because I don't know that it's going to work that way. Maybe things swing the other direction in Orlando. Justin Holiday, Chris Duarte are streams on Indiana while all of their usage guys are down. Isaiah Jackson was going to be a stream out there, and I can't put Terry Taylor on this one. I just can't do it. I know that I probably should, 
because there just aren't any other options available. He had 24 and 16. It's a pretty big game. On Wednesday, they're playing again tonight against Chicago, and maybe he has another big ball game. I just I get the feeling that Indiana is just going to be kind of trying to figure out who the hell can play on any given night, and then that person is going to get to play. But Duarte is in their plans. Justin Holiday is a veteran, so he's going to be out there and getting some actual run. Torrey Craig is probably going to get some run, but he kind of cost himself my trust by completely disappearing earlier this month. Or I guess it was last month. That was January. This is the early part of this month. You know what I mean. Some, you know, two, whatever it was, two weeks back. So just Holiday and just Duarte for me. I'm curious what's going on in Charlotte. I have to believe that Gordon Hayward's return pushes P.J. Washington back to the bench. But you can see they're trying to figure out ways to shoehorn him into more minutes. They just can't seem to figure out how to do it. What's the way that they get him into those extra minutes? It makes him someone that you kind of want to roster when you know the team's like, how do we get this guy more playing time? Because he's top 150 in only 24 minutes per game. You get him up to starters minutes, he's inside the top 100 and has top 75 upside. I just don't see how they get him there when Hayward is healthy. We need Mason Plumley out, is what we need. That would solve all of our problems, but he's not, so they aren't. Chetty Osman, horrible free throw shooting game his last time out, but as long as Darius Garland is on the shelf, Osman is worth streaming. And we already know that Garland's out for tonight. He was ruled out for tonight yesterday. Maybe things change in the next few hours. I doubt it. But his back is messed up. And Osman's a good foul shooter, so that was kind of weird. It's not a great foul shooter. And is down this season. He's at 63% this year. But he's, I mean, he was 80 last year. I guess it's possible last year was the fluke. It was at 67, 78, the two seasons before that. He sort of bounced around a little bit at the free throw line. But, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to go 0 for 3 most games of the foul line. More like 3 for 4 would be the expectation. He'll hit a few three-pointers. And he had 12 assists two games back while kind of playing point guard. Brandon Goodwin shared that role with him last time out. Ugly loss in Houston. Not going to be a fun one. That's not a fun stream. Maxi Kleba's a fun stream. Where the hell did I put Reggie Bullock? Oh, I jumped right over Reggie Bullock in the ads department. I put Bullock in ads, and I put Kleba in streams, and frankly, you could change him around if you wanted to. I don't give a you-know-what. I just think that Bullock's value... It was much more heavily tied to the Tim Hardaway Jr. stuff, and he's out for the year. And Kleba's value is much more tied to Christoph Porzingis, who could be back in any ball game. We don't know. He's just day-to-day kind of out indefinitely, but apparently not that far out. At the end of the day, what's the most likely scenario? The most likely scenario is that when Porzingis comes back, both Kleba and Bullock lose enough usage that they fall back out of favor. And for Kleba, he's going to lose it because his minutes go down. For Bullock, he's going to lose it because his shots go down. So this is why there's streamers, and frankly, I should have put Bullock in streamers as well. These are streamer-level guys. The only reason I had Bullock one click higher is that I thought, well, there's a chance that Porzingis coming back doesn't take that many shots away from Reggie. He's been doing it in three-pointers and steals and a couple of rebounds. It probably does knock him back down but I think the odds that it doesn't are just a tiny bit higher than the odds that it doesn't knock Kleba down. Did that make sense? Sort of a hard sentence to follow. When Porzingis comes back, I think... Let me try to rephrase this. When KP is back for Dallas, 
I think the odds are better than 50-50 that Kleba falls out of being startable and Bullock falls out of being startable. Better than 50-50. But I think with Kleba, it's like 90-10 that he falls out. And with Bullock, it's like 80-20. So there's just a tiny bit of a higher chance that he doesn't fall back. But for both guys, it's a much higher than 50-50 shot that they do fall back. So they should be streamers. Nick Claxton is a streamer because he's going to be really good, but it is very much tied to LaMarcus Aldridge being hurt. That's a pretty easy one to break down, isn't it? When Aldridge comes back, Claxton goes most likely back down to a 15 to 20 some odd minute roll, which hasn't been enough for him. He needs mid to high 20s. And Royce O'Neal, last name on the streams. I forgot to do stashes. Royce O'Neal is the last name on the streamers list. Uh, he's going to be really good as long as the Jazz have no centers left. He's number 81 on the year now on a per-game basis, which is kind of amazing. No one would ever notice. But really good steals numbers. Uh, 7.5 points per game was crazy low, but 50% from the field. 1.5 three-pointers, 5 boards, 2.5 assists, half a block, almost no turnovers. League average free-throw shooter. And just an opening right now to go get a couple extra rebounds or a couple extra three-pointers or just get a little bit closer to the bucket, whatever it needs to be. He's been doing it. He's a streamer. You know, when Gobert's back or Whiteside is back, whatever it is, O'Neal is not going to carry this kind of value. He's not going to be top 75. He'll fall back into that 100 to 115 range. But for now, you can get him going. Before we do our stashes, the three guys that I've been looking at more lately than before, I thought I'd give a shout-out to the two sponsors that... We didn't mention earlier in the podcast. One of them is, of course, our buddies at mybookie.ag. Sign up today with promo code HOOPBALL. Yeah, it's the old site name. And get 100% deposit match, I think. Or is it 50% deposit match? Uh Uh-oh, Dano screwed up the read. Doesn't matter. Go check him out. Also, I've got a gift-wrapped prize for you if you sign up for mybookie.ag soon. But you got to tell me. Hit me up on Twitter. Say, Dan... I'm interested in the mybookie.ag sign-up bonus, and I'll tell you how to get it done. At Dan Bespris on Twitter. Did I even do that at the beginning of the podcast? I might have forgot. Doesn't matter. I did it now. And our pals at expressvpn.com. I'll tell you more about them next week on the show. Got some additional news on expressvpn.com slash hoopball. It's a URL. It's a link. It's not a code. Get 15 months for the price of 12. Signing up today at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. That's an easy one. All right, three guys I'm looking at on the stash board. And again, there is a bit of a parallel to some of the other guys that we've talked about on this show that our guests have mentioned. But right now, these, I believe, are my three favorite stashes. And I'm not even going to mention Alperen Sengun because he's rostered everywhere. He's already being stashed by somebody. There's like a, almost 100%. There's like a 98% chance that that's the case in your league. If he's not, you might as well go look at it. I don't think there's any guarantee that he gets big minutes because it doesn't seem like Christian Wood is getting traded. But if he is, that's a big deal. And maybe they find ways to get Sengun more minutes even if Wood isn't traded. Either way, you need to squat on him. But here's the three names that I don't think are universally stashed. In fact, many of them are probably getting dropped as we speak. But guess what? 
I think there's a reason to hang on to these dudes. First one is Kelly Olynyk, who's not seeing enough time in Detroit right now. Not with a healthy Jeremy Grant. Our window to cash in on Olynyk vanished when he stayed out longer than he was supposed to and then rolled into COVID. He only played 15 minutes in Detroit's loss to Minnesota on Thursday. Jeremy Grant played 31. If Grant goes down, probably 15 of those 31 minutes go to Olynyk, and suddenly he's going from 14 minutes to high 20s. Certainly mid-20s, I would think, at the absolute lowest for Kelly. And you know Detroit wants to move Grant. They've got a really nice opportunity to get some seriously juicy assets for him. He's good. He's young. His contract is not horrible. He can make contenders better. This is the opportunity. So I got to think that he is on the move. And for that reason, you have to sit on Olenek. We're so close to the deadline now. And you know what? It's fine. If Grant doesn't get moved... If Olenek ends up stuck behind him, then fine, you dump him. But there's just too many ways that this one works out in the right favor. No, you're not starting him in a Roto League before that time. You can't. He's not playing enough minutes right now, so it wouldn't make any sense. But we know his upside, we know it's insane. And you got to hang on at this point. We've come this far on Olenek. Missed his first chance at value, but maybe, just maybe, he'll have a second chance at it. Second stash is DeAnthony Melton, which I don't know that we need to talk a ton about this one. You guys know why. It's basically if someone in front of him gets moved or if he gets moved. Because now that the Grizzlies are mostly healthy and and, uh, Dylan Brooks is still out, you've seen Melton's minutes trend back down. Tyus Jones has took a bite out of it. D'Anthony was playing really well in that last game against New York, and he still got yanked. So they're just going to screw with him at every opportunity. Every once in a while, there's a few games where he gets a bump in minutes, and we're like, wait a minute, maybe? And then no, it's not it. But again, we're so close to the trade deadline. Difference makers. That's the guys you're sitting on at the deadline. Not just a guy who might get a little bit of a bump. It's got to be a guy who gets a difference-making bump. DeAnthony Melton going from 18 sometimes, 21 sometimes, 14, sometimes 25 minutes in Memphis to a team where he would just get 24, 25 minutes a night. That would be glorious. Kelly Olenek staying in Detroit, but the guy in front of him getting out of the way and him moving into the mid-20s in minutes, glorious. He's a 75 or higher guy in that type of role. And the last name of my three stashes, the names that have jumped out at me lately, is actually one we talked about on yesterday's podcast. And you're thinking, oh, here comes a retread. It's Garrison Matthews. He's looked really good lately, and that's despite not actually shooting the ball that great. What we've seen from him is a certain comfort that I don't know we've witnessed before. Steals have been better. Is that comfort? Is that scheme? Is it just a flash in the pan? Three-pointers have been coming. His role has seemed to crystallize a little bit in Houston, and that's despite Eric Gordon sopping up 30 minutes of basketball every night. Over the last two weeks, Garrison Matthews is number 83, shooting 42.5% from the field, meaning it could be better. 13 points, 3 rebounds, 1.2 steals, 2.5 three-pointers less than a turnover a game, and very solid, 86% medium-volume free throws over that stretch, thanks to a crazy game where he went 8 for 10 at the foul line. He's actually pretty good at getting fouled shooting. I don't know that his field goal percent is going up much higher, 42%. That's about where he's at for his career. 
but he's a very good foul shooter. He's starting to get more of them, and Houston has given him time. He's, he's getting minutes. And more importantly, he's shooting in the minutes he's getting on the floor. So give him a little bit more. Eric Gordon, get out of the way, and Garrison Matthews could be a top 80 guy. That's, again, not game-breaking upside, but damn useful. And he's startable now, which I don't know we can say about Kelly Olynyk or even Melton right now. Garrison Matthews, of the three names I just said, is the most startable leading up to the trade deadline. Guys, if I said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. Please do join us for our live trade deadline special Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, February the 10th. And in case you're worried that you might forget that it's happening, you can go to youtube.com slash sports ethos and subscribe to the page to make sure you know when we hit the start button. Or if it's easier, just look at the description of this podcast on your phone or computer or wherever the hell you're listening to it. And in the description, there is a link to our trade deadline show. It's already posted. It's just sitting there waiting for you to hit the thumbs up button and the subscribe button and the alarm button. Hit them all while you're at the page. Smash them, as the kids say. Smash all three buttons. So you won't miss it. It's going to be a wingding. It's five hours of live coverage, and it's going to be heavily fantasy-focused. You guys know how we do things here at the Ethos. The lineup really coming together. We added Stephen Bagel, who's an expert on all things front office. He'll be able to break down some of the contractual stuff that's going into these trade deadline discussions and what different things mean, trades that have gone down. He'll be able to help us break those down. So that's going to be a really cool addition. Uh, sounds like we might even get some DFS voices as well, what it might do on that front. This is going to be a great, great show. I cannot wait. I'm so excited to be a part of it. I'm so excited to run it again. And I want you guys, every single one of you there. Because another reason is that on Thursdays, we don't do a traditional episode of Fantasy NBA Today. I take about an hour out of the middle of our trade deadline show and just port it into the podcast. So you might as well just watch it live because you might find a sweet trade deadline pickup that you won't get if you wait until later. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Save your moves until trade deadline Thursday next week, everybody. Have a great weekend. Back on Monday, reverse chronological lightning round here on FNBAT. FNBAT. See you later, everybody.